I've got um, audio to share as the show rolls on. I had a chance to talk to Brandon Hall about Peyton Bowen. I still feel like it's the story that's reverberating through not just Sooner Nation, but college football. Let me ask a quick college football question. Very Ref Army specific here. How closely are you following slash do you care about your bowl mania picks? I got to be honest. I never picked anything. I didn't. Oh, okay. I Fair forgot. Enough. I uh, I was irresponsible. I, I got to be transparent about it. I won't lie to the people. So can we just go with a group effort then from here to four? Absolutely. You, you want to tag team. team this? Yeah, absolutely. There you I'll, go. I'll hit your ride. So I hit my I hit my big point total one, and I was watching it, and it I got to be honest with you, you know this whole idea. I'm not a gambler. Don't think I'll ever be at least in the sports gambling world because I don't want to risk any of my yobs. But it was kind of exhilarating watching Houston and Lafayette or Louisiana, whatever they call themselves now, go at it and realize I needed that just to even be in this game. Now I can't win anything. But and, and it didn't really help me out. We got so many so many people that have already hit like their forty point, thirty nine point, thirty eight point. But Josh, for no reason at all, I'm out there cheering everything in this stupid bowl pick 'em like it's the like it's the biggest moment ever. And I'm thinking so I bring it up for one reason. Because and this has nothing to do with the OU bowl game, but maybe equally as interesting as is say talking about uh, other bowl games, maybe one that we were at last year, maybe one that um, involves the arch rival of the Oklahoma Sooners, one, one Texas. So here's my question on the Texas-Washington Alamo Bowl, which is coming up this week. Do you know what college football team of the Power Fives has had zero opt-outs? By my count, there's only one. One. That team's Washington. Penix huh. is playing. And he's coming back. They haven't had anyone opt out of their bowl game so far. Whoa. Now that is – those people are rolling. All right, anyway, back to the huh. point here. New is Cats everybody okay out there? Did they, like, drop something? I, I don't know, but a group of three people in a red shirt are pushing a rather large metal tin – being followed closely in tow by a security officer. Yeah, that's the cash right there. Yeah, yeah. So here's my point on it real quick. This game's Thursday, same day as OU. It's a late-night game. Texas is seemingly without everybody. I had that as my 26-point pick with Washington winning. Should we move that up to, like, 42? Why not? Let's go for broke. All right, I'm with you. Because literally everyone has opted out of this bowl game right now for Texas. Everyone that seems outside of their outside of their quarterback, right? And not like he'd been all that good. So Washington not having anyone opting out, being as good as they were, it's it's kind of a situation where it, I don't know, dare I say it's almost too good to be true. And so far so far Josh it's been one of those bowl seasons that not a lot has necessarily made sense, right? You've had a couple of upsets that have 
taking place. And honestly, I mean, do we really have our footing yet? It's, it's the first bowl game that I can – bowl season that I can remember following when you've had this many cold weather games too. I mean, I was thinking of my lucky stars that we didn't end up in that bowl that Baylor was in the other night. Holy smoke, that looked miserable in Fort Worth. The Independence Bowl looked miserable um, for for Houston in, in Louisiana. And I think even in that I saw that there had been, what, different reports of, of elevators breaking down and maybe even talking about postponing the game a bit. But in anticipation of Oklahoma-Florida State and maybe the matchups ratcheting up a notch, been kind of quiet so far, would you not say? in some of the buzz around the bowl season? Yeah, I think we'll get it really sort of kicked off in earnest around here this week, right? I mean, some of these big Power 5 matchups that we're waiting on. New Mexico State, Bowling Green, I mean, cool. Yeah, I'll watch, I guess, this afternoon, but that's not going to do a lot for you. But you start talking about Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, and the Texas-Washington game and just all of the – power five games that are still left here in tow it's about to get pretty good i think i do too and kansas arkansas i think is an intriguing game but i i'm i'm not like trying to pick a fight and i'm not disagreeing with you but is the fact that we're even having to have this conversation a magnification that maybe the 12 team playoff should not be bowl games until the final four I mean, some, some might argue that it, it would give more juice to these bowl games. I don't, I'm getting way over my skis. I feel like I'm trying to have a summertime conversation in the middle of bowl season here, Josh, so I might want to slow myself down just a little bit. But, I mean, are we, are we not in a situation right now to where if we're, having to, if we're having to muster up excitement over these bowl games and there's a problem to begin with? Like, I'm not trying to tell you that you should be watching Bowling Green in New Mexico State today and be fired up about it, okay? That's not my point. But, I mean, I just told you a story about Washington. The, the, the Washington Huskies. Not my beloved Washington Warriors. The Washington Huskies. And we're all kind of in shock that they didn't have any opt-outs. Like, what does that tell you about these bowl games? And it's not like all of these opt-outs are dudes that are going in the first or second or even third round, right? So, I agree. I mean, listen, I'm, I love the bowl games. I'm somebody that's always going to be a bit of a sucker for them. But, man, it just – it seems like any time you try to talk about it, it's pulling teeth to garner any interest, right? Yeah, it, it's taken a little bit of a dent outside the – college football playoff it just it is what it is it's a a different era that we're living in now and you know for me it's just roll with the times right roll with the changes roll with the punches here and I kind of have speaking of great sports 180s I've kind of made a yeah it's tie it back in baby I've kind of uh, made a 180 myself in that you know Look, instead of just sitting here jumping up and down, crying and moaning and being upset about some of the bull opt-outs, as a fan, you know, not necessarily for Kansas, Arkansas, or Texas Tech, Ole Miss, right? Oregon, North Carolina, I'm just looking at these games we have coming up. Games that don't involve our team. Yeah, that's a little disappointing when you've got the opt-outs there. But when it's Oklahoma, you know, honestly, I can kind of talk myself or lead myself into disbelief that 
I sort of dig getting to see what a little glimpse of 2023 is going to look like. And no, it did not play out to a positive uh, fashion here with what uh, the Valero Alamo Bowl would have taught us about Oklahoma defensively going into this season or just different pieces of the personnel, right? It was a little bit of a mirage. But just the idea that we're getting a glimpse into what the future is because of some of the opt-outs, honestly, I've made the total 180. I think it's kind of cool. By the way, 580 Nate just won the Air Comfort Solutions text line for the day. If the network somehow find a way to stick Russell Wilson in one of these bowl games, I'm out. What was the deal with Russell Wilson covering his mouth with the football? I don't know, man. I don't know. The – the pre, it's just he can't – there's a part of me that thinks that it's easy to pile on right now because everything is going south. But then there's also this part of me that, that, that wonders, has he just always always kind of been this corny? And yet, you know, you know we're, we're starting to see it when there's no success there and you drill a little deeper and you're like, well, this guy's just he's, – he's odd. I mean, is, is this the rest of us late to the party on the national scene that – a lot of players knew. Like, like who, who are you really hiding things from, right? I mean, you're already down at that point, what, like 34 to 3. What are you what are you doing? Nate, I worry about even bringing up Russell Wilson because I'm so tired of hearing it. I put a poll question up this morning, and it was kind of funny because uh, I felt like it was a pretty simple question uh, at Plank Show on Twitter, of course, at Josh on Ref, and everybody should be following us at KREF Sports. Now, it might be a little bit fresher because this game just happened yesterday, but I asked which quarterback cost his team the most this weekend. Now, originally, where Malik Willis is, I did have Russell Wilson, but I was told that that would be piling on and that Malik Willis, if we're just looking at this past weekend, he was a quarterback that cost his team a loss to the Texans. But, you know, Tua's running away with this at 63% right now. But I'm pretty sure that if I put Russell Wilson on there, that it would almost be probably, what, close to like 100% thinking that it was Russ that cost his team the most? Well, He just yeah, can't it, do anything right. Folks would attach not this last week to it. They would attach the entire season to it, right? And the hopes and the dreams of Denver Bronco fans that you, you traded for Russell Wilson and there was this expectation. And look, I thought it was going to be great, too. I thought it was going to be great, too. I was a little concerned coming in that there were signs that Russell Wilson had deteriorated a little bit. But honestly, I thought part of that was the personnel around him in Seattle. Lo and behold, it's kind of become crystal clear here that Russell Wilson's a big, big part of the problem, if not the biggest part of all of those uh, problems, right? There's one... There's one commonality. There's one factor between the end in Seattle and what's going on this year in Denver, and that is Russell Wilson. So, yeah, he probably would have run away with that vote. Geno Smith is going to get a massive contract this offseason, probably be a starter for the next couple of years with Seattle if he wants. Good for him, too. I mean, what a story. Yeah, what a great story. And it's not like he's really setting the world on fire. He's just, you know, serviceable. Now, he's, he's been hurt last few weeks whenever he got a little dinged up and he lost Tyler Lockett. Uh, teams are taking DK Metcalf away from him. And I think as you watched yesterday, Josh, Kenneth Walker looks like the truth, but they just they are not getting anything consistently from him. And when, it seems like, what, every time he has a big run, it's like the Josh Jacobs. Have a big run, gets called back for a hold. So, hey, and we could 
you know, we could drill deep on the NFL, but yeah, Nate, if they somehow, some way, end up shoehorning Russell Wilson into a bowl game, yeah, I think I would be out too. Which just, oh, real, the, just real quick here ahead. before we move on to your poll. Oh my goodness, that was so bad from Tua, so bad in a game that really they just couldn't afford to lose. The, the Dolphins, man, they are in they are in free fall city. I sat on Saturday night, watched the Raiders game, every snap. I uh, taped it, DVR'd it. You know how long it took me to watch a football game without commercials and delays? It took me an hour and 15 minutes. That's it. And I watched it pretty closely and pretty intently. And I was shocked when I came away to see all the Derek Carr hate. Because the last interception was absolutely his fault. But the two picks before that literally hit receivers in the hands. And I guess, and and he had no time. So I was expecting, based on my timeline, and again, maybe I follow too many Raider fans, I was expecting, Josh, for this to be a runaway for Derek Carr. But then, too, uh, what's the proverbial line? Drop the old hold my beer on everyone. I mean, that last pick, dude, who was he even throwing it to? That was so hard to watch. Mm. And now look at the mess at the seventh seed in the AFC. you got to be licking your chops right now with Kansas City, who could end up, what, as high as the one and maybe as low as the, the, the three? Is that right? Am I understanding it correctly with the way that – the, the battle between the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals, um, Bengals are right now? Yeah, no, that's right. If uh, It's my understanding that, well, let's see. If the Bengals Because the, the Bengals Bills, and, and, and Bills have head-to-head over you guys, right? That's right. They would. And the Bengals, if they beat the Bills, they would be the one seed, right, if they won out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they would then have the head-to-head over the Bills and – yeah, but uh, but then the Bills obviously would. Um, gosh, I yeah, I, I got to wrap my brain around that. I haven't thought too much about. I understand. I understand. I understand. See, you haven't looked into the playoff possibilities as deeply as I have, because all the Raiders simply need to have happen is to win their last two games. Chargers lose their last three games. <laughs> right. Miami lose its last two games. Um, I think the Steelers have to lose one in there somewhere. I, for some reason, need a Titans loss in the middle of that, and that's all it takes, dude. And the Raiders are in the playoffs, which is so simple. Which is so enraging. It's simple. All, all they needed to do, and I don't know if it would be a good thing for them to get into the playoffs with how unpredictable they are, but all they needed to do was, I, I mean, every little moment in this season is making me enraged right now. But, hey, hey home of the Sooner fans. I won't get too caught up in my Raider disdain or my depression. I'll I'll move on towards Oklahoma and Florida State in the bowl game. Kansas City, by the way, needs a needs a Bills loss and to win out. And obviously, if Kansas City stumbles and Cincinnati were to beat the Bills, then the Bengals would uh, would be the one seed. Well, you got the Raiders to wrap up the season, so that's a dub. Who do you have next week? <laughs> We've got the Broncos this week. Raiders next week. Oh yeah, you're gonna win your last two games. Probably. I worry more. I worry more about like. Buffalo potentially stubbing its toe like to the Patriots or something in the final week of the season. Well, and they go to Cincinnati this week, so that's a huge game. 
Who goes to Buffalo goes to Cincinnati this week? That's right. Yes, they go to Cincinnati. That's what I was saying that a lot gets decided in that game. If Kansas City stubs its toe in one of the final two and the Bengals obviously beat the Bills this week and then win next week, they're going to be the one seed. Mm. Mm. How about that? Team that started 0-2. All right, 10-19. When we come back, Air Comfort Solutions text line, we've uh, we've ignored it for too long. Some good 180s on here. And, you know, we're going to do bowl preview today, and I'm traveling on Wednesday. And then, obviously, all day on Thursday. So we'll have press conference to reset. We'll have uh, Brent Venable's audio. We'll have some players' audio. Here's a question to ponder during the break. Here's a question to ponder during the break. Do you think we get an announcement one way or the other from Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims this weekend? And then I'll, I'll put a little caveat to that. Do, do you need some massive announcement to let you know they're coming back? We'll dive into it next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. We got some Cheez-It Media Bowl availability going right, on. Let's hear from Ted Roof. with Ira? Coach, you obviously were Ted Roof, with Florida State for the days in the ACC. Um, when you look at this team, does it look mm-hmm. like a similar to – I mean, obviously the uniforms are, are, are similar, but does it look like a Florida State team that you, you, you went against before? Oh, absolutely it does. Uh, you know, they have improved so much this year, uh, so much from last last year to this year and also during the course of the year. Uh, you know, they're, they're top 20 in rushing offense. They lead the free world in third down conversion. Uh, you know, averaging almost 37 points a game. Uh, playmakers all over the place and a lot of uh, improvement in the offensive line. So, uh, yeah, they, they look like and play like what we're used to playing when we play Florida State. Yeah, like you said, from all the years in the ACC with Coach Bowden and, and Jimbo. I was going to ask, Jordan Travis's improvement, I don't, I don't know how much you got to see of him before this season, um, but, mm-hmm. but, and I guess he's probably improved during the season, but how much of a challenge is he? Oh, he's a tremendous challenge. Uh, you know, he's a playmaker. Uh, he extends plays with his legs, uh, makes really good players miss in space, uh, is an accurate passer. Uh, and also can, ex- like I said, extend plays, not only scrambling, but also extend plays to throw the ball down the field. And uh, uh, we've got a lot of respect for him, and, uh, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Listening into Ted Roof at the Cheese and Bowl talking with the media. With how much Florida State has grown from last year to this year, is there any benefit that you and Coach Venables have from looking at the film of Florida State against Clemson last year when Coach Venables went up against them? Uh, you, you know, there's, there's, there's such a different team this year. Uh, as far as as far as how they play, uh, it's 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 a much different team, uh, and again, just uh, very very a lot of production from a lot of different areas. So we have a lot of respect for him. We'll listen to a couple more here with Ted Roof. Uh, the running back Trey Benson has kind of emerged this year. He didn't do uh, he had an injury at Oregon, didn't do a whole lot there, but this year he's. Uh, obviously had a really good season. Yeah. How much of him is their running game in general? You know, they they run the ball well in general, but how much of it is him making plays after he gets past the line of scrimmage? Well, I think it's a combination. Certainly, he's a fantastic back, and he's not the only really good back they have. They have a, a, a stable of them. So, uh, you know, that they all make big plays. Uh, but, you know, again, their offensive line is really, really improved. And uh, so, you know, running backs – not going to do that with a lot of, without a lot of improvement from his offensive line. Good, good play from his line, but uh, you know he he makes a lot of people miss as all their backs do, not just him. So, uh, but uh, again, he makes a lot of 
a lot of yards after contact, a lot of yards after contact. And uh, so that'll be a real challenge for us. One more. We'll take one from the road. Uh, Coach Eric Bailey, Tulsa World. Uh, We didn't get to ask you about Peyton Bowen during your signing day news conference. How unique was that? His Thursday flip to OU, what is the tone of the coaching staff after receiving Peyton's letter? Of what, what's the question again? I this couldn't... is a question about Peyton Bowen. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and how, how unique was his Thursday flip to OU, and what was the tone of the coaching staff after you committed to <laughs> Yeah, it was unique. Yeah, very unique. Um, but uh, certainly our staff uh, was extremely excited about it and uh, happy to get it and, uh, you know, look forward to, to him coming in and, uh, and starting the process of becoming a, a college football player. There you go. Now, this is a little bit of a, a a different kind of listen because I was, during the break, listening to Marvin Mims. I don't think any of the Oklahoma media guys made it, Josh. I, I, I think they're all kind of stuck in transit and trying to travel to get there because, honestly, they're – I mean, the, the, the question about Florida State, Ted Roof was there last year too, dude. He's been at Clemson the last few years with Brent Venables and working out those defenses to try to slow down Florida State. So, um, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's, I hate it for those guys, man. Because I think that was everybody's goal was to try to get down there by 11 a.m. Eastern time this morning to be a part of these press conferences. Now, one other note here, and this was Dylan Gabriel spoke, Marvin Mims spoke, Jeff Lebby spoke. I think we're getting ready for Brent Venables here in a bit. But um, Levy was asked if Dylan Gabriel is coming back next year. I found this to be an interesting answer. I'm fully confident that he's going to play really well on December 29th, and then we'll go from there. Um, I get it. You want that mindset on the, on the bowl game? And Jeff Lebby's been a guy that is, I don't know, fairly fairly short in his answers. I'm not saying that to uh, be negative in any way, shape, or form, but it's just you're not going to get some elaborate breakdown from him on, he's not on, on the future. Right, there you go. Thank you. Maybe, kind way to put it. And he's probably not going to elaborate too much, but, I mean, I think what fans want to hear is we're – we're fully prepared for Dylan Gabriel to be our quarterback in 2023. I don't necessarily know if that's the most reassuring thing, Josh, that we have uh, that that we've heard. Because you know maybe it's the mindset that if he goes out and balls out, look out. You know maybe it is a situation where suddenly he could be uh, a little bit higher on draft boards, and maybe maybe even some people considered. I don't I don't think that's the case. I mean I don't see him necessarily moving up, but. Again, not 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 the most reassuring answer. Let's get a little bit of Ethan Downs, who's meeting. With if you could ask here. for the folks on the call into the mic, that'd be great. Thank you. Ira, go ahead. Hey, Ethan. Congratulations on being here. Um, what's the kind of the what's the team mindset been going into the postseason? I know the regular season probably wasn't everything guys hoped, but but what's the mindset going into the postseason? Coach Venables will tell us that a season is like a roller coaster. Like Coach Ruff mentioned, it highs and lows. You can't jump off the roller coaster. Um, can't give up. And we're telling a story with the season of it really feels like life. You know, you get you get punched, you get knocked down, you get right back up. Sometimes you're on a high and a lot of times you're on a low. And we're trying to show our perseverance and what what we're made of. We're trying to show our heart uh, by getting back up and fighting, even when 
It doesn't look like we've had such a great past. We're trying to give people hope for the future. So we're playing for more than just seven and six, which looks a lot better than six and seven. Yeah. But um, we're playing for the future of the program and uh, for the people that have been through the program and the coaches and Oklahoma's reputation. You know, there's a lot on the line. Let's get one more here with Ethan Downs. That's good stuff. When you look at Florida State's yeah. offense, um, you know, Jordan Travis obviously makes a lot of plays, but they also run the ball really well. Like, how much of a challenge does that put on defensive ends when you've got a mobile quarterback, but a good running game and, and also some passing game too? Yeah, we've got to have a great scheme against him. Uh, he's really talented by sending the plays. can run well, pass really well. Uh, they have around seven yards rushing. And uh, uh, they average seven yards uh, rushing. And they score nearly 40 points a game. And uh, we got to have a great scheme to trap that quarterback and to eliminate the run game and to be sound in everything that we do. So it takes discipline, it takes great effort, and we're fired up. Yeah. All right, I want one more. I want one more. One more with uh, if he gets one. Jamie in the back. There you go. Um, just on, on quarterback Travis, Jordan Travis, Florida State. Is, is Asking about Jordan Travis. Is there that you face that, you know, helps you guys prepare to, to face like that? I'm not sure. He's probably the most talented on his feet that we've seen. Um, being able to run sideline to sideline and get the ball where it needs to be. Um, and he's got a great ball as well. Throw short and throw deep. Um, he has great run reads. You know, he, he's super talented. Uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. And it's a great challenge for us in the D-line to test our skills even more, to get better. It's an opportunity to get better and to see what we're made of. Even this late in the season, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, what day it is. Like, there's an opportunity to get better, an opportunity to finish and uh, face a challenge and an attempt to conquer it, you know? So, I, again, a lot of good stuff there. And, Josh, I'm, I'm with you. That first answer was the one from we're listening into some of the Cheese It Bowl press conferences right now. That's Ethan Downs. His first answer was fantastic, right? To, to hear that, hey, this is, this is not just us showing up getting our, our goodie bag and then taking off, you know, this is to go out and set a tone for next year. I think is, as a fan, that would fire me up to see how serious these guys are taking this prep. No doubt. And it is, it is important for Oklahoma. I, I get it, right? You're always going to have the bold naysayers. And uh, you know what? I will lead you with the, the pitchforks and the bold naysaying to some degree because, look, we, we lived it with the Valero Alamo Bowl into – just the entirety of this season. But, man, there is a, a large difference for Oklahoma between not having a losing season and finishing 7-6, and six, and it's bigger than even just 7-6 and six for OU. It's about, it's about what it says on the jersey, right? It's about what you're hoping to turn this thing into under Brent Venables. So they should be ticked off. They should be motivated to go out and play well in this bowl game, and they've got a heck of an opponent in Florida State to do it against. Are you of the uh, – here's, here's been an interesting battle. Uh, think about this during the break, and we'll get into it when we get back, okay? Don't let me forget to pay off this tease when we get back. Are you a believer that Florida State is elite and one of the toughest opponents the Sooners have faced this season, and Jordan Travis is uh, better than just about any quarterback they've seen so far this season? 
Or do you fall into that category where they didn't necessarily play the toughest competition? If they were in the Big 12, this is a team that would probably be middle of the pack, kind of where maybe you would consider Oklahoma this year, and that it's a lot more of a of an equal matchup than the records and the playoff rankings would indicate. So think about that during the break, and we'll dive into it next. I, I, I'll keep monitoring. We'll bring you the player interviews, more coaches as we roll on with the Plank Show live from Newcastle Casino on a Monday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, Deshaun White is meeting with the media at the Cheez-It Press Bowl, uh, Cheez-It Bowl press conferences. Let's listen in. Um, and then they bounce it all up with a quarterback who can take Florida off on the street State. at any moment. Um, even in the past game, he can get out of the pocket really fast and make a play. So um, they're going to present a lot to us on the ground. Um, we know we gotta we got to win our gaps. we got to play physical. we got to play hard. Um, we got to trust our brothers that when I'm, if I'm over here in my gap, one in my gap, i got to trust that you're over doing the same thing. So. Uh, we know it's going to be really important and imperative to stop and run. Matt? Oh, sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead, Jimmy. You know, Ethan had talked about just, you know, playing for more than a win, giving yeah. his best and everything. Do you get a sense that all the guys who are here yeah. feel that? And, and what does that mean to you when you put the Oklahoma jersey on? No, no doubt. Um, I definitely can, can attest to the way he was feeling. Um, it also really felt kind of good to hear uh, somebody else sort of say that. I think it's one of those things where we all kind of, uh, we maybe all feel the same way. We don't always vocalize it, but just to sort of hear him say that, um, you know, kind of warmed up my, my fifth-year senior heart over here um, just to know that um, my teammates are kind of in the same place where I'm at. Um, and so it's a comeback. It's such a big opportunity to be able to play with these guys. Like, I love these love these guys so much, so I'm just, I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, well, a couple more here. You, you look at a Florida State team, what they can do. Is there anyone that's in the Big 12 that maybe or anyone else you faced this year that you see some similarities when you look at the film? Um, not exactly, not exactly. We played, we played um, some pretty good quarterbacks. We played some pretty good offenses all year, um, but nothing, nothing exactly like this one. Uh, I think they've got um, just playmakers in so many different positions. Um, you can circle just about every spot on offense. They've got a guy, and so uh, we got to be sharp. We got to be, um, you know, ready to stop just about whatever. With some of the the offenses. Your, off, your offense is going to be without a few guys that you counted on during the season. Yeah. Does that feel like any additional pressure on the defense to, to maybe do more than normal, or can you not really worry about it like that? Um, I wouldn't say that. I think that even going into the game with no matter who we got, um, the defense kind of, um, we accept the role knowing that um, we kind of want to go into the game with the mindset of, like, let's win our side of the ball, and let's not even, like, if the offense doesn't score today, like maybe we got to score today, you know, and so that's how sometimes we go into the game, or that's how we go into the game. Um, we're going to go into this game sort of no different. Um, if the offense has, you know, a point one chance of, uh, or one of those days where just nothing is rolling, we got to be sharp and we got to be the ones who kind of take the torch and light the way. So, um, yeah, we got to be ready. How much different is the defense? Um you guys are running now compared to what you did earlier in your career, and has it has, has the, have the guys gotten more comfortable as the years gone on? Yeah, um, it's definitely different. It's a lot more uh, complex. We do a lot of different things. We do more, um, but I think that just as the season has gone on, I think you kind of can see how much more guys are getting comfortable in the scheme, um, just as really knowing where other guys are at. I think that's been the most important thing, uh, just knowing where your help is at. Sometimes you can kind of get out of place and try and do too much, not knowing that uh, you got a teammate literally three foot to the right of you. 
Um, and so just sort of knowing where your help is at, knowing what leverage to play, what angle to attack plays with uh, is really important. All right, so we're listening in. That's Deshaun White from the Cheez-It Media Bowl availability. Um, let's see, we've heard from Dylan Gabriel, Marvin Mims. We got to listen in to Ted Roof, um, a little bit of Jeff Levy. Jeff Levy, by the way, might have had, what would you say, Josh, one of the more interesting quotes of this whole process today whenever uh, he was asked about the, the future of Dylan Gabriel, and he said, quote, I'm fully confident that he's going to play really well on December 29th and will go from there. So, Non-committal. It's, it's a non-committal committal, right? So we'll see how we'll see how things play out as far as that is concerned. Now, um, as we welcome you back into the Plank Show, I'd asked a question leading mm-hmm. into the break, Josh, and uh, you all have uh, jumped onto this as well on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Do you look at Florida State as a, as a team that – is an, an, an epic matchup, a true challenge, definitely a top 15 team in the country. Thank you so much. Truly, where were they, 13th in the playoff ranking, uh, filled with up-and-comers and a problem. Or you kind of look at it and say, all right, well, you know, Mike Norvell's done a nice job. He's got some Oklahoma ties. He spent time at the University of Tulsa as an assistant coach and had been on kind of the, 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 the Todd Graham train he'd he'd been with Todd a couple of places including Arizona State but do you look at Florida State and say hey it's a team that at nine and three overall lost three games in a conference that well let's face it didn't necessarily meet expectations and even in one of their preseason wins it was a game against LSU that should have at the very least gone to overtime now again I'm a I want to be clear I don't fall into that, oh, they played in the ACC, so they're not that great category. I think this is a really good football team, and I think Oklahoma's going to have one heck of a challenge on their hands come Thursday afternoon. Where do you stand? On your end of the equation, and I think, look, I I look, I listen no further than what we, the the player we just heard from, fifth-year star Deshaun White, who said, look, Jordan Travis, not necessarily like any quarterback that we've seen, their skill guys comparable maybe to some of what we've seen, but really, really good, right? I don't think that right. he would sit up there and just – I mean, look, it's a press conference, so he's not going to say that the guy stinks or that Florida State's not, you know, as good as what they've seen so far. But I take him at, at face value that Deshaun White, in that answer, thinks that they're about to see a pretty darn good quarterback in Jordan Travis, yeah. and, and that's where I'm at too. I think Florida State's sort of rated about where they should be rated, right? I don't think that there's much difference between – Florida State and any of these teams, Utah, Kansas State, USC, Penn State, Washington, Oregon State, Oregon. I think they're about like those teams, right? Those two lost, three lost teams to where Florida State, you look at really the the stretch of their schedule where it wasn't going great, Plank, and it was three consecutive losses to Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson. And remember, that was a different NC State. We, we The debate that you and I get into sometimes doesn't matter when that game was played, right? Because that was a different NC yeah. State team when that game right. was being played between Florida State and North Carolina State. Lost by 10 to Wake Forest, lost by a couple to NC State, and, and nearly beat Clemson 34-28. And they've been on a real roll since, save for the, the Florida game that obviously you kind of – 
toss that one out a little bit, right, that it was high scoring at 45-38 because it's a rivalry game. So long-winded way to arrive at this that I think Jordan Travis is absolutely a good quarterback. I think Benson's a really nice running back, and I think it's a huge challenge for Oklahoma. Do I think it's an elite team nationally? No, but I think it's a very good team. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. You know, if they would have snuck into a New Year's Day six bowl, um, I, I would imagine that the the spread would have been maybe more six to seven. Of, I don't even, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't even checked to see what that number is this morning the other way. They would have been an underdog. But, you know, I, I can't help but appreciate the way that Florida State is, is at least approaching this bowl game, right? Their whole – their whole mindset has been what? Hey, this is a launch for next year. This is something that we feel like is a, a magnification on a nine-win season. It's a big deal for us to get to ten wins this year. We've seen the, the, the social media push in in going out and talking about painting it kind of, what is it, scarlet and it, – it's not scarlet and gold, right? Red and, red and gold, whatever it is. Um, they're, they're going out and talking about painting the stadium – in, in all Florida State fans, and they've sold a bunch of tickets. I think the the number that I saw was only like 3,000 seats had remained for this actual bowl game. So, you know, they're at the very least, Josh, they're, they're, they're pushing it and they're pimping it from the perspective of, hey, this means a lot to us, not just because, hey, it's Oklahoma and it's a brand, but we feel like this is a trampling into the offseason sure. And a magnification on what the season has done. And I'm not saying Oklahoma isn't looking at it the same way, but it's kind of a different way, right? Hey, who are going to be the guys that are going to help us next year? How much have we learned during the 15 practices we've had since the end of the of the Texas Tech game and today, right? So it's, it's a very unique approach from two schools that in a lot of ways it's the same. But for one team, obviously Florida State in this instance, a little bit more to magnify what happened this past season as than it is for Oklahoma. In other words, for Oklahoma, it's to say, hey, it's an anomaly. We're learning. We're going to get better every time we step on the field. For Florida State, it's by God, we're here, and we're going to be here for a while. We're back. Garnet and gold, by the way, I believe. Are I the, keep saying scarlet and gold. I'm sorry. The official coach. You know, Florida State kind of reminds me a little bit of 2020 Oklahoma to a degree to where – and the difference would be, obviously, that Rattler and Oklahoma won the Big 12 before year's end, and obviously Florida State has not done that in the ACC. But they're on a serious roll to end the season. They've got a quarterback that is going to be back next season. they got a running back that has announced he's coming back. There's potentially a lot of momentum based on how uh, this bowl game plays out versus OU that they can carry with them into next season with the Heisman hopeful quarterback in the fold returning for next season. So I see some similarities with the way that Oklahoma had some bumps in the road early and then really caught fire to end that season in uh, Florida State, what they're doing right now. So from that standpoint, if Oklahoma can cool those flames, extinguish those flames, that would be a, a good sign. And for Oklahoma to finish a winning season, right, to keep that streak intact is no small feat. What say you? It's a conversation we'll be having most of this week how not just you view the importance of this bowl game, but obviously how you view Florida State. 405-651-3439. Top five stories today coming up in a bit. We're at Newcastle Casino on a Monday with the Plank Show. I right, run Newcastle Casino on a Monday. Holidays are in the past. Sort of. We are kind of. We still have New Year's Day 
and New Year's Eve. Where does on the Josh Holiday or the Josh Helmer or Josh Holiday on the Josh Helmer holiday depth chart? Where does New Year's Eve and New Year's Day fall? I love it for this time of year. Now that you know this week and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, I love it from a football standpoint. So it's very, very high on the depth chart because of that. Uh, I, I don't subscribe to the theory that any of this has lost a ton of luster for me because of bowl game opt-outs and so on and so forth. I still totally dig it. I love being able to one final time, well, in, in 2022 and then into 23, kind of wall-to-wall football. And that's right. sort of what those days are for me. So I love it. I'm not, uh, I'm not as big of a partier as I, I was in years past. So from that standpoint, it doesn't rank, rank as high up the depth chart because of that. I'm pretty low-key on a New Year's Eve anymore. You know, go out and then <laughs> happy to see the ball drop at home, right, instead of being out and about. So I, I don't know. It wouldn't be tippity-top for me. I'd probably say ranking holidays. I love uh, – Christmas is probably still number one, then Thanksgiving, and probably July 4th. One, two, three. Mm, yeah, pretty much. I have them in different orders, but it's just, it's weird for me because New Year's Day, gosh, it used to be such a big deal. Such a big deal. And I just, maybe it is. Maybe it's just getting, maybe it's getting old, Josh. Maybe that's what happens as you get a little bit older. Air Comfort Solutions text line is always the best way to stay in touch with the show. 405-651-3439. Nate writes, I don't expect a win versus Florida State. I do expect to see a defense that is better prepared, in a better position to stop designed quarterback runs, and I, for one, will be very disappointed if quarterback run beats us. Fairness, Travis, pretty good quarterback on the run, but I like what he's saying. I like what he's saying a lot. And you're not going to have a magic fix, and not everything is going to be great. But at the very least, let's, let's not get any busts here. Let's get through without any busts, which hadn't necessarily been a problem until late. Quick break. When we come back, top five stories today brought to you by Newcastle Casino.